Broken bones, broken hearts, stripped down and torn apart. A little bit of rust, I'm still running. Counting miles, counting tears, twist the road, shifting gears. Year after year, it's all or nothing. But I'm not Guess what? It is Wednesday. The hump day is here. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord God. Everything's looking good. And I say that with all troubles and perils of, you know, in front, but I know I got the Lord with me. So really, guess what? No worries, mate. Hey, listen, my name is Mike. The name of the show is Let's Talk. And that's uh, pretty much, I guess I'm the one doing the talking. And the email address, if you want to correspond, is let's talk mike one at gmail.com. Let's talk M I K E, the number one at gmail.com. Again, welcome to the show. This episode is called The Carpenter Will Come, the Master Builder. And we'll get to that in a, in a short period of time. So I'm digging into the archives of my spiritual brain and my knowledge and wisdom and understanding. And I'm going to start doing some shows based on that because, well, I think that the way the world is going and things that are happening, we're probably good to go with some of the things I learned so many years ago. And there'll be some of that in this show here. <coughs> Excuse me. So um, I think that's it for anything in the beginning. Uh, we'll say our prayer and we'll get started with the show. I'm going to use the Lord's Prayer. It's always most appropriate. Use it as a foundation and a base. You can take what's said in the Lord's Prayer and expound on it. I do that quite often. So let's bow our heads and humble ourselves before you, Father God, we come. We come before thy mercy seat, O Lord, in the name of Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, Jesus the Messiah. And we are so grateful, Lord, that you have provided salvation for us because our own works and even your own law, Lord, does not provide such. And now we come to you reconciled, repenting, Lord, of our sins before you and asking Father God, our Father who art in heaven, holy be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, O Lord, our daily bread and forgive us, Father God, our trespasses and sins. But remember, to forgive those who have sinned against us. We pray, Father God, that we be led not into temptation, and we thank you for the deliverance from the evil. We pray, ye Father God, that all things and everything be to your glory and your praise. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and all the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen and amen. Jesus uh, actually told that to the apostles when they asked him to teach them how to pray like he does. Remember that Jesus prayed very often. He, and, you know, many times he went by himself. In fact, they would wake up or come around to the place where they were all heading, and he was ahead of them, and they would find him not there. 
And the reason was is because he was off talking with the Father. He was praying. And he was receiving, I am quite sure, consolation and comfort in his, you know, during the time he was here on earth. So that's what he told him. That's the prayer he gave to him. Anyways, let's move along. Our first scripture is Zechariah chapter 2, verse 8, and it says this, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, After the glory that he has sent me unto the nations which spoiled you, for he that touches you touches the apple of his eye. That's Zechariah chapter 2, verse 8. Now, this show, um, The Carpenter Will Come, The Master Builder, I'm basing this show on something, a, a, a subject that has not really in and of itself become a headline, okay? It's kind of buried in other stories and other situations, you know, politi- both political and religious, and you, you have to learn how to, to categorize it in order to understand what's happening either in the front, you know, or in the background behind the scenes. I guarantee you, though, one thing for sure. Now, listen, please pay attention. This subject, this issue, will become, and I believe in the very near future, based on events that are trans, uh, um, transpiring right now or happening right now, I believe this will be a soon-to-come headline story. I also know for a fact, and I believe, based on prophecy, the Word of God, the Bible, that this is going to be the most earth-shattering event and and mind-changing and life-changing and, and just across the board, second only to the Lord's first coming and His crucifixion and His second coming. This is going to be the story. So here we go. You know, Joe Biden, uh, you know, he goes out to visit these other leaders and he tries to put on a good a good show, but unfortunately, I think Joe's best when he's uh, in his home state of Delaware eating the ice cream at the ice cream store. Did you ever notice that? And I think to myself, well, that must be the way they go. Good boy, Joe, you signed those papers for us. Good boy. Here, let's go home for a while and we'll get some ice cream. Little pause there just to let that sink in. So be, despite the pledge... So he was in the Arab world, despite the pledge to the Muslim world regarding ownership of Zion and the Al-Aqsa Mosque, the the whole compound, there is a secret plan to build the third Jewish temple, and it's uh, quietly underway. So regardless of what he says up front and what they all say up front, believe you me when I tell you... (laughs) God's plan takes precedence. So no matter what Biden is promising, the temple is going to be built. Now, I know for a fact, a friend of mine back in the early 80s went to Israel, and I think he was there like at least six, seven months. Anyway, the story is when he came back, he told me something very interesting. The powers that be that are responsible for the temple, I guess you could say in this regard, have already built, have had at that time already built and prefabricated anything and everything that could be prefabricated without violating the law and the way that it has to be put together and what materials and so forth. And with that being said, it's in storage. So they have it where they need it, 
when they need to get to it. So there's that. But anyway, so the past this past summer, Biden went to Israel, and just prior to that trip, or he went there before he went to Saudi Arabia. Now, while there in Israel, he visited the eastern section of Jerusalem, and this was in a clear message of support for establishing a Palestinian capital in the Jews' eternal capital. That's equivalent, I don't even know how to quickly say this. Listen, do your homework, figure this, you know, look it up. The Palestinian people have no claim to the Holy Land. Zip, zero, none. All right? That's the bottom line. They came as a, or they were established as a political ploy under Yasser Arafat. So I believe that was in the late, mid to late 60s or so, to be the thorn in Israel's side. And that's what they are, and that's all they are in regards to do they have a homeland. Yeah, but not in Israel. So here's, so to move on, in addition, the, his administration, Biden, so they made a pledge to reopen the consulate for Palestinians, get this, in the eastern section of Jerusalem after the fact that Trump closed the consulate when he moved the American embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. So, you know, truth be told, Trump was a huge friend of Israel, except for the Abram Accord thing, but we'll let that go for now. But other than that, okay, huge supporter uh, and ally of Israel, Biden, not. No, no, no. And that, I tell you right now, will be the cause of many troubles in this country. And anybody that's involved with this dividing not only Jerusalem, but Israel itself can't happen. So during the visit, he said that Jordan's long-running role as the custodian of this Muslim holy site, the Temple Mount, will continue. And the meet, this meeting, <laughs> funny but not funny, there was huge clashes at the mosque compound, and still, you know, they, they don't understand it because they don't understand the word of God and or don't believe in it. So this, this Muslim mosque uh, is built on a hilltop, which is, 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 is the, the holiest site for Jews. They refer to it as the Temple Mount. Now, of course, you know, the Muslims re refer to it as the Al-Aqsa Mosque, but in reality and truth, it's it, it, the Jews call it the Temple Mount. So, be, and that's because they believe, as so many others do, that that's where their temples were built. Now, the Jews had three, or had two so far. We'll get to that later. So this, this contest between the Jews and the Muslims over the Temple Mount, this is where it gets really, really, really interesting because we're moving into that prophecy unfolding before our eyes. So this, this contest or this conflict between the Jews and the Muslims over the Temple Mount, this is about to get far more complicated before it is Get this now, pay attention, temporarily resolved by the arrival of a quote-unquote Messiah who will, for a time, for a time, not for long, 
resolve the issue surrounding the world's top sacred site. Now, <clears throat> again, there were two previous temples which served as the Jewish house of worship. And according to prophecy, it is to be, or a temple is to be reconstructed atop this most volatile piece of real estate on the planet. I'll say that again. Most volatile piece of real estate on the planet. Nowhere else in the world, ever in history, has been of such concern to the whole world as this piece of land, this country, Israel. So that rocky plot of earth is literally feared by world diplomats as being, again, and also the greatest threat to Middle East and world peace. See? No other place. So, now, here's the thing. For years, scholars have argued about the precise location of the first and second Jewish temples on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. It's interesting to note, real quick, I'm going to throw it out here, Queen Elizabeth I, um, according to history, she sent, I forget the gentleman's name and title, but she was very interested in these things in Israel and in Jerusalem in particular, and it was the gentleman she sent, and I mean to tell you, it was a long, well, <laughs> you know, when she lived, he actually was the one who first discovered where the city of David was. And so that started the uh, the archaeological interest and so forth in that whole area. But Queen Elizabeth I was very into this. So now, back to the story, sorry. Now, there's some who um, do believe that it was located on the Temple Mount. But there is, and has been for a while, a growing belief, and quote, you know, they say they got the evidence. I've seen some of what they talk about, but they're saying the Temple was actually farther south in the city of David. But here it is. Nevertheless, almost all agree it was situated on or near that Muslim Dome of the Rock. So, you know, the city of David's not that far away. I think it's like 700 yards or so, or 700 feet, something like that. But anyways, so, you know, the, the, that, that Mount Moriah would, would, you know, be nearby for sure. Let's look at another chapter real quick in 1 Kings chapter 5. And behold, I purpose to build a house unto the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord spake unto David my father, saying, Thy son, whom I will set upon thy throne in thy room, he shall build an house unto my name. King David had, it, it's plain fact, and it says so in the scriptures and whatnot, he had what's referred to as blood on his hands. He was a warring king, and he defeated his enemies and so forth, and established really um, Jerusalem or, and or the city of David the first, well, you know, the first time he established the, that was the, um, the place in Israel. Now, his son Solomon is the one that actually did build the temple. David did everything he could, equipment, got people to cooperate, all these kinds of things, but he, you know, it wasn't for him to do, and that was from God. Now, all three of the most prominent religions, this is what we have, all three of the most prominent religions in the world, which are is Islam, 
Christianity, and Judaism all claim Mount Moriah as their most holy site. But here's the thing. Only one has control of that ground. Christians and Jews are not allowed on that property. No matter the Jew- Jewish you know, tradi- tradition of that's where their temples were and so forth and so on. No, no, no. And in fact, if they it, so much as approach it, well, now they got Islamic militants and armed guards that are going to tell them otherwise. So we go on. This is the problem for the Muslims that's about to happen, though. There is a problem. The Bible says that the God of heaven and earth has declared that it will be built. So not only are the Jews going to be allowed on the Temple Mount, but their temple is going to be built up there. Now, there have been surveys and, you know, um, oh, I can't think of what they call that kind of surveys, you know, where they scope out the lands and how much space they have and so forth. I'm sorry, it slips my mind. And they have located a situ- an area where the temple could, in fact, be built. And it wouldn't infringe on the Dome of the Rock, as the Muslims call their, their temple. So we have to ask ourselves, you know, so always ask yourself a question. Always, always go to the Lord with, Lord, can you help me to understand this better? Don't rely on your own. So we must ask ourselves, asking the Lord, is it going to be blessed from you, Lord, like Solomon's temple was? Or is this temple for a more nefarious reason? Aha! We know that God's prophetic word never fails. You know, arguments, you know, you can't argue. The nation where Mount Moriah is located is one of the most absolute proofs of evidence that you could ever, ever want to see or ever, you know, it's something that you don't have to imagine. It's right there. It's right there. And that proof is the nation Israel. Now let's let's move on or let's move forward to when this temple is going to really really stand out in its place or as its place in the religious world. We can find a prophetic proof one of many for a future temple. And in this this regard we're going to go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 4 and this says who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or all that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So, this individual is going to be sitting in the temple. So guess what? There's got to be a temple built for him to sit in it and claim himself as God, right? The arrogant, egotistical, blah, blah, blah that he is. We won't use those words, and my little beeper is broke. I should get a, I should get a bike horn. Anyway, so now we have that. Let's make a quick point. It's important to note, or what is important to note, is that this is a scripture that not only, as I said, refers to or talks about the temple, but also announces the coming of an individual who is known to Christians as the Antichrist, and then to others as the man of sin, that's in 2 Thessalonians 2, or the man of lawlessness. Again, 2 Thessalonians 2. Even so, the son of perdition. One more time, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, I've, I've added the name Antichrist here 
But it, it really, the, the word or the name Antichrist, to put it to an individual, is kind of strange because there's never an individual in the Bible that has that title, the Antichrist. He has the man of lawlessness, the son of perdition, the man of sin, and so forth and so on, but never the Antichrist. John talks in 1 John and 2 John of many Antichrists, so it's an umbrella thing, or also as a spirit of Antichrist. So here we have really what the Christian world did was they took this word Antichrist and made it to like an umbrella. It, it covers a myriad of, well, either individuals or a group of individuals, anybody who's Antichrist, as the word says. There's many Antichrists, many alive today. So that's that. So now, as I said before, one of the greatest proofs that exists of the sovereignty of God besides his creation and so forth and so on, is none other, again, than Israel itself. Israel is, beyond doubt, a miracle. It's a miracle entity guided by the hand of God since his promise to Abraham to establish him in the land, he and his descendants. Let's read that. In Genesis 12, 1 through 3, it says this, now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So it's not just Abraham that receives the blessings, it's his seed. In other words, his descendants, the Jews. Okay, in this case, we're talking about the Jews and the Arabs because he had another son besides Isaac. He had Ishmael. In fact, he had Ishmael first. So that being the case, but in this regard, God's specifically talking about Abraham's seed. So we got to keep that in mind when we read this who is the one that was promised the land? It was Abraham. So now we got both the Bible and historical texts. They, they both reveal that over the centuries, plain truth, the Jewish people have suffered <laughs> you know, numerous enemy attacks, all kinds of persecutions of every description, and also including expulsions from the land. So there's that. Those all happened to them because they refused to, guess what? Continue to worship the Lord God as he spoke to the Moses and told them. So they would, but the thing is, is always when they repented and they were truthful and humble in their repentance, God brought them back. Not just back though. He brought them back to the very same land that he promised Abraham. The very same land where the Temple Mount sits. This, my friends, is absolute proof God's word is truth. So now, here we have, at the heart of all this fighting and political standing sits the city of Jerusalem and the Temple Mount. Now, we have to remember, so there's the discrimination between the Jews and the Arabs and 
who has a right to be there and doesn't have a right to be there, and this just goes on and on. It's not just religiously uh, debated and uh, attempted to be resolved through, but also, and really just as important, is the politics involved. Uh, So, you know, this is what we got going on. So we have man trying to work things out according to man's understanding instead of turning to the word of God and letting God be it. So here we go. We already have, as I said in the beginning, individuals, okay? And it's not just a small group of individuals. There are very many. They've already reconstructed practically every ancient object and vessel necessary to carry out the rituals of worship once the structure's built. They've already trained, and they are continuing to train, the priests and so forth to do these ceremonial acts and worship services. This is all going on as we speak. All the, all the, the clothing and everything for the high priests have been recreated. So what we have is everything getting ready, everything being set up, and the way the world is now, things are moving in that arena or in that regard very, very quickly. Now, with all these plans of a coming third temple, which, again, I keep saying it, and I'm sorry, it's going to be built, but one terrible fact does remain, and this is the bad news. It's going to be a temple not a great joy, but of great sorrow for the Jewish people. According to Scripture, the third temple will be the tribulation temple, the one during the times of Jacob's trouble. Jeremiah 37 talks, 30, chapter 30, verse 7, talks about these troubled times. In, uh, in, in Jeremiah, it says, Alas, alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble. Now, Jacob was uh, one of Isaac's sons of the 12. So there were 12 sons specifically. They became the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob's name was changed to Israel by the Lord God. Now, so it says there, none like it. Jesus himself said in Matthew 24, verse 21, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no nor ever shall be. Now, here's the creator of all things eternal, and he's telling you, not since the beginning of the world. So if anybody knows history, it'd be the Lord, right? So he's saying, not since then, up to this time, and nor will ever be. So let's look at Acts 7, 48 through 51 to keep moving along and get better insight and understanding. Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet, And it goes as this, starting in verse 49. Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What house will ye build me, saith the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Hath not my hand made all these things? Ye stiff neck and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost, As your fathers did, so do you. So there again, the reference to uncircumcised in the heart and ears isn't necessarily, you know, obviously not the same uncircumcision that we think about. But in other words, open your heart and open your ears. 
to listen to the Holy Ghost. Now, remember the name of the show, The Carpenter Will Come, The Master Builder? Here we go. Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, the Savior of the world, will himself build his temple. He'll have nothing to do with this temple made with human hands. So now, enter the carpenter and the master builder. And this will be his holy residence, his place. In Zechariah chapter 6, it says, Behold the man whose name is the branch, and he shall grow up out of his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. So there. Let me ask you something. When you hear about these kinds of things, do you ponder and wonder and want to know more? Or do you just say to yourself, it's something I'll never understand, it's too complicated? Let's look at Hebrews 10, verse 25 real quick. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as ye see the day approaching, get yourself in a Bible-preaching, prophecy-preaching church. If you can't find one, well, you can find a lot of information online. I mean, back in my day when I started out looking, it was all, you know, either I had to drive to the library or walk there and, do, you know, now it's on the Internet. I still have a, quite a collection of books, but, you know, you get my point. You see, a biblically correct forever outlook on life doesn't calm the seas during the storm, but it allows having the path of perseverance much less distressing. Future events, pay attention, are going to rock the world like we've never seen it before. And the world as we know it, you know, it always changes. This is really going to be an end-time drama change. This is the conclusion of the greatest story ever told. What we are witnessing today is about to bring down the curtain of prophecy's final act. Now, closing, I want to tell you this. Always remember what Jesus said in Luke 21, verse 28. And he said this, And when you see all these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your head for your redemption is drawing near. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Amen. Hallelujah. And thank you, everybody, for listening and sharing. Once again, my name is Mike. The email address is letstalkmike1 at gmail.com. Let's talk M-I-K-E, the number one, at gmail.com. Hope you like that introduction, uh, the song there. That's from the band Leonard Skinner called Still Unbroken because I have the Lord on my side and he is my foundation. So again, God bless everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And may the peace, blessing, mercy, 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 and forgiveness from Father God through his son, Jesus Christ, always, always, always be with you. Thank you again. Goodbye.